0: Hey, I'm Alicia Bake. I'm Jen Greenfield. And I'm Jen Tifoni. VO Booth Besties, listen to the questions you have.
1: We find pros in the know to help you learn.
2: And connect with our amazing VO community.
1: Welcome Welcome to to VO VO Booth
2: Booth Besties.
1: Welcome everyone to VO Booth Besties. We're here to help working voice actors get your most important questions answered by industry pros who know. Each week, we have a new topic and a guest speaker who is an expert on that topic. To stay updated on all things VOBB, you can swing by our website and sign up for our weekly newsletter. And join us on the VO Booth Besties Facebook group as well. Now, without further ado, let's meet our guest. Over to you, A.B.
0: Andy Field has voiced a variety of characters in the last five games in the Five Nights at Freddy's franchise of video games, which my kids love. Um, including the terrifying VR game Help Wanted, for which he was twice nominated for a Voice Arts Award. You'll hear the smooth, probably friendly voice in multiple roles in FNAF. His catchphrase, Exotic Butters, has evolved into hundreds of YouTube remixes, and an Exotic Butters plush-o from plushie from Funko, which, by the way, is sold out in most places. You'll also hear him as numerous characters in the D&D game Dragon Air Silent Gods, the horse villain Clive in the Zelda throwback Arzette, the Jewel of Faramor and Bahamut in the 90s reboot Contra Returns, and don't forget to main him in Paladins as Omega Sha-Lin, the futuristic archer. He's a Marvel fan and was honored to voice the Kree superhero no- Novar in Marvel Avengers, Marvel's Avengers Academy and 3D Man in the addictive card game Marvel Snap. He's voiced national commercials for, among others, Invesco QQQ, TurboTax, Nike, Mercedes, Easy Cater, State Farm, Lowe's, New York Life, Homewood Suites, Virgin Mobile, and Walmart, where he may have been involved in the biggest Rickroll in history with their commercial Do It For The Data. A former teacher, Andy loves sharing and teaching acting and the business of acting seminars and panels all over the world. He's also a 32 year plus veteran of the U.S. Army Reserve, which I find highly appropriate with Veterans Day coming up. Over to you, NJ.
1: Well, hello, Andy. Uh, Hello. How are you doing? How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for joining us. So I'm married to an Andy who was also military and also bald. So I am confident you and I are like already best friends. Uh, Nice. (laughs) So, so. For our audience, give us the abridged version of, I mean, with all of these credits you have, but then also being a teacher and having a military background, how did you get into voiceover?
3: You know, that's always the number one question for everybody. And the answer is I was a teacher and I was in the Army Reserve. And so I was broke. And uh, I had four jobs at the time. I was a teacher an Army reservist, so I was driving for Uber and my wife and I owned a tutoring business. And I mean, that that business was huge. We had like five employees, but it wasn't making any money. And so uh, I was in the kitchen and I was imitating our football stadium announcer. This was 2013. And I was like, that's another first down. And my wife said, oh, my gosh, you should be an announcer guy. And I was like, "That you know, I've kind of bad at that idea. about. It. I really didn't even know that we were called voice actors. And so I, I go and Google like how to become an announcer guy. I was thinking I could add another I could add a fourth side hustle to my main gig. And so, uh, I was just hoping to, you know, pay the electric bill. Uh, you know, I was just hoping for one little thing, you know, maybe somebody pay me $200 every now and then that would be great. And so, uh, I you know, you hear people say I've always liked acting. No, I really got into it because, uh, I wanted money. And then I found out it was acting and fell in love with acting and will forevermore be becoming an actor. But so I went to Google and said how do you do this thing and found, you know, and found out that in 2013 you could do that on the internet from your house in Mississippi at the time. You know, you didn't have to move to Los Angeles. And so that is how I got started. I just got started. That's that's how. <laughs>
1: So I think the better question is did you take over as the announce the football announcer?
3: <laughs> oh no, absolutely. Okay. So this was in Oxford, Miss this was Oxford, Mississippi. Vaught Hemingway Stadium has sixty-five thousand seats. And so uh their uh their announcer is actually a lawyer from Jackson, Mississippi, who comes up on the home game weekends two and a half hours for that. But once you get that gig, that's kind of a for a major university football program, especially here in the South, where football is a religion. Um, those voices uh Tend to stick around for a while. But interestingly, our, our radio and TV announcer um for the University of Mississippi is David Kellum. And that is who I imitate every time I get an audition for Sportscaster. And I have booked so much work as a, an imitator of a Sportscaster. And uh and it's all just channeling my inner David Kellum, who does who's the voice of the rebels at the University of
2: Mississippi.
1: It's an opportunity. It's a, another, we talk about this all the time, using your life experience, using who's around you, what's around you to draw from and find those characters. But then it's still you. You're not doing, you know, a, oh, yeah. trying to voice match. You're trying to do an impression or take characteristics from folks that you know. But all right, JT, oh, yeah. over to you. Thanks. I mean, you have to really be able to take a risk
2: to jump out of what you were doing and get into voiceover. I mean, oh, do yeah. you think that... <clears throat> that that's part of, of getting into this business? Does it have yeah, to be a financial definitely. thing or is it just that spirit?
3: For me, it, it was, it was financial, the the risk. So there was almost no risk when I started other than, you know, you know, I was staying up to one in the morning, just emptying those pay to plays out of auditions every night. Uh, but there was really no risk other than, you know, I couldn't even afford uh, a microphone or an interface or, you know, <laughs> I couldn't afford a membership. And so that was the risk. But within three years, I was at the point where it was making almost what I made in my day job as a teacher. And so then, you know, I'm saying if I just had 40 hours a week to put on this in the daytime, nine to five, I think I could do this full time and I could get rid of this teaching gig, which is getting worse by the year.
1: Mm-hmm. And
3: so, um, the, the, that was the risk. And so I hired um, every year for like three years. I was like, this is going to be my last year teaching. And uh, so on that third year, it was really getting bad. And so I hired uh, Celia Siegel. Yeah. As, uh, and uh, just kind of as a consultant, and I said, Celia, I've got to quit teaching. And this was in January. And she said, what date is your drop dead date when you have to tell your principal you're not coming back? And I said, well, you know, August is, is bad form." Uh, you know, that's always bad to tell a teacher. So I said, let's say late April is really in, in, in the South. We go to school till about the end of May. And so just see you and I met weekly and, and set up milestones and things that had to happen before this could could happen. And uh, I went in there. and man, it was terrifying and liberating to walk into that school principal's office and fire her and say she was no longer going to be my boss. And uh, it was uh And and it was hard. You know, the the risk was justified. I mean, it wasn't like all of a sudden I had enough money to replace a teacher's income. Uh, But, you know, that that year did allow me to start doing the things. And that second year, life was good.
2: Okay. Yeah, that second year is important. And I think this leads right into what A.B. was about to say.
0: Yeah, I felt that need to um, be in the, like, to give it a full time amount of time. And there's been multiple times where I've said to my husband, man, if I could just put in full-time hours, uh, but my, I consider my primary career, my being a, a at home mom, like I'm, I, my kids are keep me busy. Right. And so I'm like, if I could just, man, if I could just put those hours in, but I've considered myself full-time as a voice actor for um, three, four years. And that's because we found that people often confuse the expression full-time with making a sustainable income, because for me, once I reached the point where I was at what I could make if I was working full time in a full time job, and that number is going to be different for everybody, depending on where they live in the country. But once I reached the point Mm -hmm. where I was like, I could support a family, we wouldn't be eating at, you know, we'd be eating Golden Corral, not at the steakhouse, but like we'd, we'd be surviving, right? Once you reach that point, we consider that full time. Um, so yeah. when do you felt like you reached that point, and uh, how do how do you define full time in voiceover or any entrepreneurial endeavor? So let's broaden it a little bit.
3: Yeah, yeah, I, 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 you're. You, it's almost exactly what you're saying there. It's different for everybody. For example, I had a voiceover student one time who was 16 and he wasn't homeschooled, but he did online school for like two, three hours a day, and he was full time pretty quick. But how much money do you need to live with your mom and dad? Uh, you know, you you don't have rent to pay. You're not paying the electric bill. For him, full time, probably was a thousand dollars a month. Uh, I was a teacher, and in the south, in the one of the highest paid counties in my state, uh, I was making fifty one thousand dollars a year. Which to some people listening are like, "Wow, that's great money." And to some people listening, they're like, "But the but that number wasn't really hard to replace." Whereas I've had a friend who was making two hundred thousand dollars a year, and even if he got his voiceover money up to eighty ninety thousand a year. You can't just drop the 200000 So it really just depends on what standard of living you're accustomed to and, and your family's accustomed to and where you live. Uh, you know, I, people talk to me all the time. Should I move to Los Angeles? Well, um, my friend Joe Zijo will tell you it, it's pretty good to establish a voiceover income at home where, where you are now before moving to California and having to work four jobs and live in an apartment with five other people and try to do voiceover from there. Uh, and the number he and I kind of settled on was seventy, eighty thousand. 80,000. If you can get 80,000 a year coming in in Iowa, I just use that because it's the middle of the continent. You know, you could I think you could go to L.A. And, and survive. So, yeah, I think it just depends on, you know, your life and what you're doing. So for me, when I quit teaching, I, that was full time. And it was, you know, I still had three other side hustles. And but I'll tell you what's great and what was the blessing is I said, you know what? I can always continue to drive for Uber. And I can always go back and be a substitute teacher. And I never drove for Uber again or substitute taught. Uh, I even got on the sub roster and they called me several days and and I still never did it. So it was really um liberating. Now we did we pinched pennies a little bit that first year, but we were full time. Um, and you know, yeah, it so full time
0: a- doesn't always mean nine to five, right? It's not that it doesn't necessarily mean that and especially <laughs> for entrepreneurs i i think regardless creative field or not like you're working on saturday night at 1 a.m and you know sometimes you're working you have big breaks during the week like it doesn't mean nine to five it just means um like we have voiceover friends who are making a living wage that 60 or 70 or 80 thousand dollars a year and they're just working part-time um yeah so yeah vo can be just a few hours a day you can still have a side hustle yeah. i get they i've say, had people come to me sorry go ahead no you go ahead i was gonna say i've had people come to me and they're like i want to do this for my full-time job and they have a family it's a like the breadwinner is coming and saying that and they have a family to support and I'm like you're not gonna you're not gonna replace your income immediately there's a place of privilege that someone like me comes from i could go full-time very quickly because i I didn't have to replace a different income because I hadn't been working for 15 years and we were reliant on my husband's income. We already we already knew how to budget that. So anything I made was just extra, just icing on the cake, right? So what do you say to people who are like, I want to be a full-time voice actor and they have no experience and they're coming in out of the blue or I want to start a business. Let's just, you started several businesses. NJ started several businesses. What do you say to someone?
3: Um... Hang on, I'm tweeting uh, the link to this uh, podcast. Um, so yeah, I um, but you hit another really good thing, and that's you know if you have a partner who's contributing income as well, man, it's it's almost like this world was designed for teams of two adults to run a household. And uh, you know it's um, but it's it's funny. I've heard it said before that entrepreneurs are the only people who work 80 hours a week to avoid working 40. Uh, and that's largely true. But Gummit, they're my 80 hours. And if I want to work at 3 a.m. on a Sunday, uh, that's mine. If I man, one of the best things about being full time is that if my wa- I went and ate lunch with my wife today, you know, when I was a teacher, I got 27 minutes for lunch. And that included the time it took to march all my kids down the hall. That included I mean, you can't call the bank on a 27 minute lunch break and eat and move kids down the hall and back and go to the bathroom. I mean the 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 freedom to do what you want even if it is 80 hours a week 100 hours a week I don't care what it is when you when you've got that laser focus and and consumption when you're like I am all about this voiceover man that's uh so yeah so th- what was the question something about starting a business I kind of rambled there but
0: Well just you know what advice do you give to somebody who says I want to start a business I maybe it's voiceover maybe they want to run a video production company maybe they want to yeah. sell Uh, burp cloths for babies. (laughs) Um, But whatever it is, they I think that there's often some unrealistic expectations about how quickly they're going to replace their income, how quickly this is going to this is going to take off.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think I think the advice to any entrepreneur trying to get out of the the nine to five and getting into your own nine to nine (laughs) is the 24 hour is, is that that obsession with it it's got to be your all man for that first couple years I was in every Facebook group I read every single thing I mean it wasn't but about six months before I started realizing how many people were asking questions that had already been answered you know how everybody gets aggravated at that on Facebook I'd read everything I was doing everything I knew this I knew that I mean I was I was just consumed with it and uh that was really uh I think you've got to do that, whether you're a painter or a trombonist or a journalist. Um, you've just got to be consumed with doing the things that you know you got to do because you're so consumed. You're reading everything. Uh, and a lot of that is marketing. You know, it's uh, marketing is everything and everything is marketing. You've got to be telling everybody what you do all the time. Um,
1: you know, why, you it's
3: why go the,
1: ahead. Pa- the, the, the uh, Latin root word for passion, you probably know this, is to suffer, is <laughs> to endure. No, I, I did How- not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and and that's always stuck in my mind because that is part of, you know, I always joke, you know, the flow commercials when she's like, it's my passion, you know, and she does that little catchphrase, but it's so true (laughs) because you got to be all in an entrepreneur is a passionate endeavor.
3: Yeah, it really is. And it's a, so I was learning Spanish a few years ago. I was, uh, I was in the army and they paid for, Uh, I was taking four hours a week online with me and one teacher, sometimes two students. But she was steering conversations so that I could practice whatever we were learning that week, verbs or something like that. And she said, what does it take? This is all in Spanish. What does it take to be a voice actor? And I'm like, well, obviously it takes a decent voice, but more importantly than that. And then I had to Google because I didn't know the Spanish word for hustle. And it was that's so, so much of what it is. And there isn't a good Spanish word for that. And she and I had a long discussion about what's the word for hustle. And she was like, is it motivacion? And I was like, no, it's it's more than motivation. Uh, and what the word I finally came up with was empuje, which is push. You see it on doors all the time. It's hale for pull and empuje for push. And she was like, "What? Well, I don't get it. I said, you need empuje. And she said, uh, you got to explain this. So in Spanish, I said, in 2013, when I started, I was a teacher. I was an Army reservist. I was driving for Uber. And my wife and I owned a tutoring business with 45 students coming in and out every week. And then I became a voice actor on top of all that. That's empuhe. That's the push that uh, it's just this obsessive. You know, Mad TV used to have these skits about the Jamaican cab drivers that had like eight jobs. Uh, that's the and it's it's the, that push. And, and of course, that Jamaican cab drivers push was to take care of his family. But there's this obsession with I've got to make this happen, I've got to, just got to.
0: So is that to you the entrepreneurial spirit that that need it to is. make it happen? So it is. Did, and it's
3: it's the the hustle.
0: Yeah. When did you realize that you were an entrepreneur? That it, did it? Did I mean you had already started this business with your wife? But was there with this moment where you were like, I have to, I have to bring it. You know, like I have to make this happen.
3: I think it was that, that third year when I was about to quit teaching, when I was about to fire my boss. And it was like, if this doesn't work, what am I going to do? Go back to this job that I hate? Uh, I mean, it's this has to work. It just has to. But I don't know when. <laughs> you know, it's funny. What a great question. That when did you realize you were an entrepreneur? I mean, I'd seen voice actors saying it all along. You know, was that, you know, the business side of this thing was, was all important. And it really, really is. There's just. So much besides just recording your voice. I had a photographer come take pictures of me three years ago, headshots. And I said, send me an invoice. He still has it. I don't think he knows how. And how do you... It's the business. You've got to be able to run your business. I'm like sitting here with with money ready to pay him still. And uh, he's an old friend of mine. So I'm like, I'm not paying you till you tell me how much. He doesn't even want to tell me how much it costs. Oh, wow. I'm like, man what a what a critical part of our business that's just the little stuff that we talk about in all of our Facebook and and other chat rooms all the time is just the business of well, the, the money going in and out and the, the business is and the that. hard
0: stuff for a lot of people like I really yeah. I, I say this a lot but I thought I could just walk into a booth and record like I, that's mm-hmm. what I thought I could be you know and and there are I think yes. people who do that right that they, they per, perhaps they work through agents and managers and they that's not me, though. I have to send invoices and do billing and I have to know what my rates are and where they come from and how to quote appropriately. And I have to be firm in those rates. And I think that crosses all industries as well. You can't just say when someone says, how much is this going to cost? You can't be
1: like, well, I don't know. You know, it, it, Yeah. you got to right. know what you're worth. I think that's the demise of a, a lot a, of creatives and artists, too, is it's like I painted this really beautiful thing. And then, dot, 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 money. <laughs> like, how do yeah. we, we go from here to there? I think my husband always uses the uh, – there's a South Park episode. What is it? The underwear gnomes. are like, oh, we just need to do this thing, and then we'll make money. And you're like, but wait, wait, what happened in between? Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, it's hard for exactly creatives
1: right. especially, though, because
0: typically when we – when we're creating, we do it because of a joy and a love for it. And it's so hard to put a price on that. You know, like I've made this yeah. elaborate painting. I spent 75 hours on it. And and then you're supposed to be able to put a price. You can't put a price tag on that, you know? And so it's hard to learn. My sister's running an art business and she does like murals and, and woodworking designs on people's walls and things. And she's always struggling to value her prices. So um, NJ... Mm-hmm. I think it's yeah. your turn.
1: Yeah, let's keep going. Let's keep talking. Um, let's stay on that path of money. So, I say in an American Idol world, that that's what I refer to it as, where it's like I just need my one break, I just need my one chance, and then and then it'll all happen, and and suddenly I'll find fame and fortune, right? So, knowing <laughs> that that is the anomaly, um, in your experience. What took you from kind of having the dream, right, and maybe making money, but then the five hundred dollar jobs turned into a lot more. Now, you know, how did you, you know, when this when this happens, and you're like, whoa, you know, you kind of talked about it earlier, how the guy, you know, didn't have contracts in place. Like, did you feel like you were super duper prepared, had all your ducks in a row, or did you kind of do the, oh geez, okay, I better get my contracts together, I better make sure I've got my LLC in place, like. What did you do when you really started making a full-time income? It's easy to just send an email and Venmo me a hundred bucks for a job. That's easy. We can go back and forth on that. But now we've raised the stakes.
3: Yeah, it was a slow burn. Um, And remember, I started in 13. So this was a little bit before the the Venmo era. And then other people listen to this saying, you're a rookie, son. I started before the internet. Uh, But it's... um, you know, uh, first year in voiceover, I bet you I made $13,000. Uh, but what's funny is that one of those gigs was a $7,000 non-union regional commercial. So I made like six grand on my own and like 7000 in this one big commercial. And uh, I just assumed, I mean, that wasn't even six months into my voiceover adventure, that uh, I just figured the $7,000 commercials were about to start rolling in. Uh, spoiler, spoiler. (laughs) They did not, they did not roll in. Uh, I have since had some bigger than that, but it took years. Um, and so then, you know, it's, but then I'd pick up a client here or there who was going to pay me $350 two or three times a month, you know? And I was like, okay, that's pretty good. But I, I started pretty quick on the invoices, but I was really bad at taxes, which are an important part of business. It turns out, especially Once you quit your W-2 job and there's no one calculating your taxes for you. Remember back in the day when you worked for somebody and they withheld your taxes and when tax time came around, somebody said either, hey, you paid too much. Here's some back. Or, hey, you didn't pay quite enough. You owe us a little bit. Um, If you don't pay attention to your taxes, what's going to happen is tax time is going to come around and they're going to say, you owe us a lot and you don't have any saved. And I was like, oh, yeah, I spent it all. All of it. Yeah. First couple of years was was me catching up on taxes. And now I'm I'm much better, you know, but uh, it kind of if you were somebody that grew up in the 90s in the L.A. era of voiceover and your agents were always paying all that stuff and withholding all your taxes, then it just never occurred to you that that was something that had to happen. You know, and you're like, well, I made eight thousand dollars here. Well, what really happened was you made ten thousand. But somebody withheld taxes from it. When I make eight thousand, I've got to withhold you know, probably close to 3000 to make sure i I'm, I probably am off. No, nah, that's close to 30%, but you know, it's, I withhold a lot for the, for the taxes on all that stuff. So it's, it's yeah, the money. So anyway, back to when did I, when did it, have, so that was the slow burn. And then a couple of years later, you know, I booked kind of a union gig that paid a little bit more with well, the union gigs are great because they withhold taxes and all that. Um, But then, you know, I picked up like an e-learning client and they got a little bit bigger and I was making, let's say, a thousand dollars a month from them. And that was about the time that I thought, you know, with this and this and this with a little bit more work, I could replace my teaching income. And then that e-learning client, just lucky for me, got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And next thing you know, I'm making more money just from that one e-learning client than my school principal was making. You know, then then my superintendent of my school district was making. uh. But you can't put all your eggs in one basket, you know. But that was certainly where I said, OK, i I'm, I've definitely made it. I'm making rich people money at this point. Um, But I think also the Five Nights at Freddy's gig, which paid well for a video game, but, it you know, it wasn't a, an income. You know, you can't make a, a living on a few thousand dollars for a certain gig. But it said to me, you are good at this. You are good enough to be booked by people who are willing to pay good money, uh, and then that resulted in me getting invited to Comic Cons, where twelve-year-olds stood in line for my autograph, which was surreal. Uh, but all of that said, you're you're a pro. You're you're in this. And even if I wasn't as good then as I am now, that that was kind of the line at which I crossed from maybe I can make this work too. I definitely am as good as you know anybody else (laughs) more or less i mean i'm not as good as the greats but i'm as good as anybody else in the business you
1: know we're gonna go we're gonna pop to social media and talk about your video gaming in just a second but what i want to circle back to because this applies to both voiceover and just entrepreneurship any small business owner is it sounds like a little bit you learned on the fly and so one thing that again as business all of us are business owners it behooves us to do your research be prepared maybe you meet with an attorney not necessarily but maybe you meet with a CPA or maybe you know or those who you aligned because ultimately the goal for i think unless this is a hobby i mean the goal for everyone is to make money and make this a job so you want to align yourself for that goal and and as i said yeah. kind of that american idol syndrome it could happen like you, like you could land that $6,000 job. You could land the campaign and be in the voice for the thing. And you're like, oh my gosh, like, what? okay, I, I got to be ready for this. So in, yeah. in addition to that, um, so now you're making money and you now are, I'm assuming you're reinvesting in your business. Um, I know you have yeah. a custom studio. Like, so now we got to level up in other areas. <clears throat> so maybe you're doing some more direct marketing. You're getting some more clients. You've gone full you know this is what you're doing full time but now how do you manage the other part of it the studio the mic the those things yeah
3: well yeah and i'm i'm going to go back just a little bit to before your question and say yeah it's I, I i there are people out there like well i don't really care about the money i just want to participate in the fun stuff you know and typically these people are either anime or video game enthusiasts and they want to be part of that and of course we all know anime pays terrible that's getting a little bit better Uh, And video games pay fine, but they don't pay a lot. I mean, I think the union right now is like $250 an hour with a four hour minimum. So that's a thousand bucks for your smallest union video game. But you can't make a living on a thousand bucks unless you're doing it, you know, every few days. Uh, You can't, you know, you can't. So my advice to the people who say, I really just want to have fun with this is the money lets you have more fun with it. Because the more stuff you do, the better gear you buy, the better studio you get, the better demos you buy, the more you're getting in front of the people that have the fun stuff. You're not ever gonna be a Disney villain or get into World of Warcraft or Call of Duty without doing the right stuff. Like Call of Duty, that's going through the big Los Angeles agents. And you don't just land one of those, you know, with a with a $150 USB mic and a homemade demo and, you know, uh, a pillow fort in your in your mom's closet where, you know, when the redneck drives by outside with the loud pipes, it bleeds into your audio. It's that's that's where we all were when we started or most of us were. But you the money begets more money and the money that gets begotten lends itself to the fun stuff. You know, I'd love to be a Disney villain or a Disney anything, you know, that would be fantastic. But that comes through you know, big, big agents that doesn't come through, um, five, you know, or a Twitter audition that's, you know, being thrown out there. So the money, the money is, yeah, that's it. Now, what you were saying was, how do you handle, I kind of, I kind of went into what you were talking about anyway, which is the gear, you know, you, you, you want to, you want to update as quick as you can, but it's amazing how good you can sound these days with the cheap stuff. Um, you know, my first, all that big stuff I did, I recorded a Homewood Suites national commercial on an AT2020 USB mic. Um, and it just, and it wasn't even in a great sounding room, but it was live um, on Source Connect with, um, we know, with a client in Little Rock of all places, Little Rock, Arkansas. That's the capital for those of you who aren't familiar with Arkansas geography. Um, it was, yeah, I mean, what? a $150 mic. But that one paid enough, where I got to upgrade, you know, to the the four sixteen, which is the bike everybody wants, and all that. And you know, I got to the point where I was like, you know, I got money here, and I found a U eighty seven at a steal in Austin, Texas, on Facebook. And i I found um, I found one of my friends in Austin and said, "Dude, you got to go pick this up for me and ship it to me. I'll give you a hundred dollars." And he, and he was an artist, like a a visual artist, like a painter. He was like, <laughs> so hundred bucks for him to run an errand was like. You know that's what we're all you know what we all would have done when we were scratching and scraping to make a living at it. you know if you're a full time artist like visual artist like a painter drawer, yeah a hundred bucks is a, is a, is an honest afternoon of work.
0: I think this feels like the appropriate time to talk about our sponsor, which is studio bricks, oh. because for me i had a I had a day where I had a job um that was it was that first year of really being full time and um, it was my first big job and it was $4,000 and there were seven people scheduled on the Zoom call and i was recording on my end and um my neighbor was mowing their lawn well they had a professional company mowing their lawn and there was this giant lawn mower and i couldn't i couldn't record we had to reschedule and i was terrified they would never call me again they did call me again but i told my husband if i'm going to invest Fully in this business. If I'm in all the way, I need to invest in the studio bricks. And so I saved the money. I paid for it completely out of voiceover funds. So it didn't come out of our budget. And yeah, so it was a huge investment, but I can now record while my neighbor is mowing his yard. I can record while my kid is mowing (laughs) my own yard. And that's a gift that you give to yourself. And so we recommend, we love studio bricks. I recommend it. I, I, think that uh it's worth the investment in your career um find what works for you but for me i'm a big fan of studio bricks and they are officially sponsoring us for this season of bb so thank you studio bricks
3: yeah there there comes a point where you're tired of leaning out of your door saying to the whole family i said i was recording
2: yeah
3: who pressed the button on the microwave who flushed the toilet you know you have to turn the air conditioner off in in Louisiana, Mississippi, yeah, where I've lived. Yeah, or I would turn the
0: dryer uh, off and forget to turn it back on. And so then the clothes yeah, would sit in it. And, but we mm-hmm. had a stomp method. I would stomp three times on the floor when I was recording and then three <laughs> two times when I was done or two times when I was recording and three times when I was anyway. Now I don't have to yeah. do that. It's great. So Yeah, it's wonderful.
3: Um, and I'll tell you how good Studio Bricks is. So when I when I when I was at my peak, when I had a super amount of money, uh, the, the Army Reserve called me up to active duty. So I was maintaining my full-time voiceover income, which exploded that year, and an active duty military officer's salary. And so, I mean, the money was through the roof. And I said, I'm flying to L.A. and recording a demo with Chuck Duran. And so we went out there and we did it. And Chuck's got a triple wall studio bricks. I mean, this is, like I don't know, yeah, sixteen twenty $20,000 booth. And uh, and Chuck's right in the middle of L.A. His studio is not soundproof, but that booth is. And I'm in the booth and Chuck keys his mic to talk to me and I can hear a police siren out there. And I could not hear it in the booth. That's insane. I mean, because he's right on the street there in Burbank. I mean, it wasn't, you know, he's he's 30 yards from the street. So, I mean, it's a police car goes by with a siren on. That's no small thing. And I've yeah. been in a live session before where the other actor was in a, a pillow fort. And he had to stop for a moment while the sirens died down because he was in New York City, and it was just kind of embarrassing. He was like, mm, "Excuse me," and he just kind of sat there and grinned at the camera and zoomed for a minute while the we just heard, you know, with the yeah, uh, yep. the the peace of mind that comes from a, a good solid booth is is amazing.
0: So let's. I want to ask some more questions. My kids are big fans. You one day wrote a note to my kids from Five Nights at Freddy's, which was really cute. Um, And uh, so I want to know did you start gaining unexpected followers and friend requests on social media? Like, did that, how did that go? Tell us about that and how did you manage it? Yeah.
3: Yeah. So, so when the game first came, the first, I was in game five, which is called Sister Location because it was set in a location. Besides Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria. And um, that was in 2016. And then I I got the gig on Voices.com. I just throw that out there. I know we all have opinions about Voices.com. But uh, the creator of the game was just a little indie game developer. He didn't know. So that's where he went to go casting. Well, back then, everybody could see everybody could look your profile up on Voices.com and see who you'd worked with. So everybody, all the fans of this game, these these uh, rabid, insane fans, could see Scott Cawthon, the creator of the Five Nights at Freddy's games, and see that he had just hired a bunch of us by name. So they saw Andy Field, and they saw the name of the role was Hand Unit, which is the name of my character. And man, the the theories abounded on what Hand Unit was going to be. Was it a puppet? You know, is it something to do with a hand? There were YouTube videos talking about me. My picture was up on YouTube already. And I would comment and say, oh, well, that's a good theory. And they'd be like, OMG, it's Andy Field. OMG. And so when the game came out, of course, it was just, you know, a blast. And I think I had three or 400, 500 followers on Twitter. Then one of the big YouTubers, and in case you didn't know this, there are many more, ki- there's so many kids who've never bought the Five Nights at Freddy's games or played them. They just watch these entertaining YouTubers play them. Uh, and you know, the more entertaining you are, the the more popular a YouTuber you are. But there's this YouTuber named Daco, and Daco decided to have a um, a fundraiser for St. Jude's. He had already done it once before. Uh, and Scott Cawthon is known for donating big donations to St. Jude's and other charities like that. So Daco had a, a, a live YouTube with several of us voice actors on there. And uh, when in the podcast or in the podcast, when he found out I was on Twitter. I had my notifications on Twitter on and it was like, you've reached 1000 followers, you've reached 2000 followers, you've reached three, I went to like 7000 that day from like several hundred. And it was just madness. But that doesn't really translate to much in the way of voiceover, because it's mostly angsty teens that are, and I say angsty teen, because that's one of my characters lines is angsty teen. But uh, it's, you know, but those teens grow into adults, and I have had one of them grow up and hire me for something. Uh, I know something all completely about. Not... Do I? I was
0: gonna say I know all about angsty teens.
3: <laughs> oh yes, yes, we, we uh, yeah, me too. But it's just so funny. And now you know I'm up at like I don't know eighteen thousand on Twitter, and like TikToks. The... I've got like forty two thousand on TikTok, but it's hard to convert that anything to any voiceover business. Because every single comment you get, even if you've made a video about a medical narration, is going to be something to do with Five Nights at Freddy's. And it's fun. I love interacting with the with the fans. Uh, but I don't I I'm not sure that that increased media presence um, does a whole lot for you, you know. So no. other than maybe, you know, I, I don't want to say I haven't gotten any work out of it, but I've gotten some.
0: Well, it's certainly um, an opportunity to have your name out there is always a good thing. Uh, I like, Mm -hmm. you know, people say there's no such thing as bad press. I I disagree when it doesn't fit with your brand. But this, even if you're doing medical narration, if people have heard you or seen you, it helps them connect with you in a different way, which makes you seem more of a person and more human, and that's really what we're looking for in the voiceover world, right? Yeah. So so did you lean into that when uh when when you kind of took off or did you just say, ah, oh, you know, I'm this is great, but I'm I'm gonna spend my time working and not building this social media profile?
3: No, I definitely leaned in and at this point in my life I'm kind of busy. So I lean in on occasion and doing more and more things on occasion. Um but yeah, especially on the TikTok, I leaned way in. And, and then when I got up to like the twenty or thirty thousand mark on TikTok, my daughter is a singer And she doesn't aggressively market herself. She does not have the entrepreneurial hustle, but she had somehow managed to get, you know, like 37,000 followers on TikTok, just making these great videos of her singing. And I got to the point where like, I'm about to pass her. I am going to, that was my personal goal. And I was at VO Atlanta and Stefan Johnson had a whole thing on, you know, how to build your, your social media presence. And he's got like 7 million on TikTok right now. Uh, And that has resulted in money for him. Uh, And so I went and did what Stefan said, which was basically post more stuff. You know, don't just put something on every now and then post something every day. And so I posted a Five Nights at Freddy's Q&A and I posted the ask me anything about voiceover thing. And man, my followers. And then I I kept sending her screenshots of my followers compared to hers. And it was just and finally I passed her. She's like, there's no way there's no way you're cooler than me. And I'm like, I am. I am so much cooler than you. And now I'm like five thousand ahead of her. Uh, But. Honestly, if she would just put this much effort in, she'd be at a hundred. She's so good, but um, you know, it was just fun.
0: That's funny. I I had a similar, much smaller experience though with my daughter, who had a, a bunch. She loves TikTok, and one day she's she stumbled across my profile and was like, "You have twelve hundred followers." She's like, "You're cooler <laughs> than I am, and you're an old lady." And I was like. Hey. Okay. But, um, she won't let me follow her though. She doesn't want any of her
2: friends to know that I'm cool. <laughs> JT. <laughs> just a little healthy competition, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's nothing oh, that's wrong with stuff. that. So, all right. I, I'm at least a decade older than AB and NJ. So I'm going to ask the, <laughs> the old school question. Does this come along with fan mail? Is that still a thing?
3: Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, so, And I've been real careful about it. I mean, my email address is out there, but I had to make sure that my phone number, I've got a Google voice number with an LA area code. I thought that might help that doesn't. Uh, and so, um, I, but every now and then I'll get a wacky voicemail from a five nights at Freddy's fan, but typically they're pretty respectful, but yeah, they, they email me a lot of stuff. They send me, typically the fan mail comes through the social media and, um, and you know, what really freaks me out, though, is fan art. They do art of me and or my character. And it's a, I mean, they'll like Photoshop a picture of me onto a Five Nights at Freddy's screen. Um, I posted a picture a few years ago of me doing the worm during the dance at the VO Atlanta conference. And somebody <laughs> took that worm and put it on like Five Nights at Freddy's in space and made a big poster with me. I mean, it's funny, but uh, we did a, um, a live autograph signing the other day. And one of the things somebody talked about was buff hand unit. So hand unit is just a little yellow handheld computer. Uh, But then fans started making these pictures of that little computer, like mounted on a big buff yellow body. I mean, the fan art just cracks me up. But uh, they'll bring you stuff to me at conventions, little pictures they've drawn of me. And, you know, I'm bald and I have a beard. So it's always, you know, a little cartoon picture of me holding my my hand unit character it's it's sweet most of the stuff i get and every now and then one will say hey if you tell me your address i'd love to mail some stuff to you with a self-addressed stamped envelope and you know you can autograph it and mail it back or i've got something special for you and so yeah i do have some some cute little things because a lot of these fans are are young very young like younger than teens you know so and then a lot of them are um uh, are probably somewhere on the spectrum, a lot a lot of the ones that are more vocal about that. And so they're consumed with a laser focus with Five Nights at Freddy's. You know, a lot of times a kid will mm-hmm. have their focus where it's dinosaurs or World War II history. But if it's Five Nights at Freddy's, they know the names of every voice actor. They know the ages of every voice actor. They know what we look like. Uh, they, they know every line. They know the lines better than I do. And they've got, and this game in particular, there's lots of mystery, mysterious lore. They know every theory, every, every possible, they've, they've gone to the theaters and watched this Five Nights at Freddy's movie six times already looking for Easter eggs and little things in the background and, you know, facial expressions on background actors that might give them a hint as to anything in the Five Nights at Freddy's lore. And of course they ask me all that stuff. And I'm like, I I don't know. I mean, I don't, you know. But it's, you thought it's about this to, way more. <laughs> yeah. But it is fun to 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 uh, moderate my own panels, and I kind of walk out there with the microphone, and they'll ask me stuff. It's fun to interact with people about it, even if I don't know as much as they do.
2: Well, that's cool. That's a lot of fun. Now, I understand that your entrepreneurial spirit goes beyond voiceover work, though. So tell us about your latest venture and why you decided to branch out.
3: Well... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know you were going to ask about this. So, yeah, I just opened an Airbnb, and I know that's the the, the brand name. I just opened a short-term rental uh, here in my little hometown. I live in Natchitoches, Louisiana, which is a little town in northwest Louisiana. It's the oldest town in the Louisiana Purchase. So, history tourism is a big deal here, uh, and Christmas tourism is a big deal here. We have a Christmas festival, lots of Christmas lights. And steel magnolias is a big deal because they filmed it here. Uh, in fact, my B&B is three houses down from the one that the, the mom lived in and steel magnolias the big where they had the wedding and all that if you wow. you got you're, you're all you're all ladies you're familiar with the movie yeah uh if you're a dude listening to this you eh, maybe not but uh if you're a dude from natchez louisiana you you, you are so um so i opened this airbnb i mean I, i'm just now having my first paid customer this weekend like tomorrow they're checking in and i've got to go over there interview and start cleaning and and getting things put together but Uh, I got into it because I wanted to diversify a little bit. I think that, you know, I talked a little while ago about putting all your eggs in one basket with just one client. I think you could put all your eggs in in one basket with just one genre of voiceover. You know, if you're only an audiobook person or if you're only a video game person or if you're only a radio imaging person, I think all that could collapse around you. But really, I think you could put all your eggs in one basket with just voiceover in general. Uh and so, you know, I've always heard people say you need to diversify, and they mean just buy lots of different stocks. And I'm like, but that's all still just stocks. You know, what happens if stocks go bad? So uh so I thought I'm gonna diversify and get into real estate a little bit and stocks and crypto and whatever, you know. I'm just trying to make sure I- I'm a little more pessimistic about AI than the rest of us in the industry are. Um And I I don't know if you you guys definitely didn't know I was about to say this, but there's the the general consensus among voice actors is AI will never replace the nuance of a skilled voice actor. And I am here to tell you that there are computer geeks in the by the thousands who are spending their 80 hours a week of entrepreneurial spirit, making sure that AI can do that. You know, and it's well, you can't mathematically qualify happiness or warmth. Uh, They're trying. And I bet you they can. Uh, it's, it's pretty remarkable what they're doing already. Um, and we like to, we like to send out posts that say, listen to this, this is nowhere near as good. And I'm like, you know, for a lot of my clients that is near as good. And it's not like they're done. It's going to be better next year. So I just kind of, I, I want to be ready for that, whether it's 20 years from now or whether it's two years from now. And I, I think the number's probably in between that. Um, and, and, and I think everybody's right that the highest levels of the voiceover industry, where a lot of us are sitting right now anyway, the top 1% of earners are going to be the last ones hit by that. Um, you know, and at the lowest level, the, the bottom dollar, Fiverr workers, you know, and there's plenty of workers on Fiverr making three, four, five hundred dollars 500 a gig. Uh, but the ones who are making $5, 10 15 $30 a gig, those are going to be the first ones hit. Uh, because they're the ones that are of necessity recording in bad studios and who are undeveloped voice talent. Right. And that's easy to replace with AI. AI already sounds like undeveloped voice talent in a bad studio. Maybe in a better studio. <laughs> so, you know, and so it's, you know, you know, AI already sounds better than the local DJ in my town. The same three voices that voice every local commercial because they're yeah. free. Well, AI may be free also or maybe, you know, a 100 dollar a year subscription and you could definitely replace these three DJs have been doing this for 20 years um, and, and they're bad. You know, they're just I mean, you listen to it and go, "Ugh, God, that's bad. You know, how, but how fast can AI replace e-learning, corporate narration, uh, small town car commercials? I mean, it's, it's not that hard to imitate the style of a small town car commercial. They're, you know, you've got the energetic, you know, Black Friday sale. You know, that's, you know, I just did one of those today. Well, I mean, how long is that going to be before, you know, so uh, I hate to bring everybody down.
0: I have to agree in some ways that it is going to definitely take some aspects, but we love to be positive and believe that people will choose. (laughs) There will be people, I think, who will choose to choose human, right? That will want to work with a person simply for the fact that it works for a person just like right now you can buy products super cheap from all over the world that some people are always going to choose to shop local they're going to go to their yeah. local place so i i think there will be still be work but i i think you're right on the money with the fact that some of those lower paying mm-hmm. jobs the the world that exists i i joined up work this week to e- experiment and figure out is this something mm-hmm. we want to you know recommend to our audience or not because i'd never done it and wow, that is going to go away. That, like, yeah, it's got the, to. You know, there was a job on there for $2 per script.
3: $2 yes.
0: per script. Like, that they're sounds like go, a YouTube
3: narration.
0: I don't know that they could pay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that they could pay AI developers to do it for $2 a script, you know?
3: Yeah, So. Definitely.
0: Yeah, it, we can. And it's
3: funny that technology is what made that possible. And then within, let's say, 15 years, technology is probably going to get rid of it. You know, before, if you lived in, you know, the middle of nowhere, you just narrated it yourself with your sorry little $20 microphone from Walmart or you got the radio DJ to do it or whatever. And suddenly the world got opened up and you could find a narrator in Minnesota, even if you lived in New Mexico. And you know you can make all that happen, but it, it looks like now it's going to be well. I mean, I'm in New Mexico. I may as well just hire a robot to do this. Yeah. And um, you know, it's funny, funny how it all goes around. And you're right. I think that the, the bigger people in the industry will hang on for longer and say we're going to hire people instead. You know, the union's going to fight for that for a while. Yeah. But there's so much non-union work and non-union voice talent to be had yeah. out there. A lot of DJs who are good at this stuff have become voice actors and quit being DJs and uh, they don't care anything about the union voice industry. Right. They're like, you know, they're like, look, I'm just here to make a living. I don't I'm not here to preserve an industry. You know, I'm not an employment agency.
0: To your point, it regardless, right, regardless of whether it all goes Mm -hmm. south or not, we'll never regret being prepared with backup. plans. We'll never regret having other areas you know uh, both nj and i right now are uh dipping our toe into the water of on-camera work to try to you know just put some more things in our toolbox so um never be never put all your eggs in one basket always be learning always be looking for new opportunities so um and how do you like
3: the how do you like the on-camera stuff
0: i love it actually but i've always loved being on a stage of any kind so for me it's super fun i'm i'm looking more at the like spokesperson commercial stuff because that fits more my personality but nj is really just thriving right now in um in the world of every aspect like she's in a short film and i'll brag about her because because she won't brag about herself but she's in a short film and she's being shortlisted and doing just things left and right she's going to be the main face of a whole campaign for a neighborhood facility type thing. Anyway, she's got a lot going on. So yeah, a community. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you really need to to always be thinking and looking and never just assuming that one thing is going to last forever for us because anyone could lose their job at any point in time. So yeah, and
3: uh, I'd say if you're a voice talent, who's even slightly extroverted, if you've got even if you're an extroverted introvert, um, that's something that AI won't replace as quickly. Uh, and it's something I had my studio set up for for a while and I just couldn't give it there. But it, it's a whole other field. Uh, but, yeah, I've done some on camera stuff and it's it's fun. And every now and then when like I audition for the Five Nights at Freddy's film, if there's something I really want, you know, then I'm, I'm like I'll, I'll email one of my agents who also does on camera and say, please, you got to get me an audition for this. But, you know, I haven't developed that as much as voiceover. So I, even when I do those auditions, I'm like, that's that's the absolute best I could do. It's, and I'm. I still don't like it that much. You know, I feel like I felt about voiceover, you know, eight years ago. I was like, eh,
2: it's
3: it's what I got. You know, they're gonna have to take it. But yeah, fun stuff. JT. Yeah,
2: I have not gotten. Mm. They're always encouraging <laughs> me to just do short little videos to post on LinkedIn, and not me. We have reached the top of the hour, and Andy, we want to thank you for joining us. But before we let you go, we need to put you on the spot and ask you three for fun questions, a little James Lipton style.
3: <laughs> okay. James All right. Lipton. that's a fun one.
2: Question number one, what show or series are you binge watching right now?
3: Oh, I, I am not. I'm, I'm so busy with the voiceover and the, the Airbnb that I'm not. But I will tell you that every night. We get in the bed and I watch Ridiculousness. That's not you don't have to binge watch it because it's sometimes you play the same episode over and over again. And I'm I love that MTV plays it all the time, and I'm very upset on the nights when they aren't playing. And so if Ridiculousness, <laughs> when Ridiculousness isn't on, then I go down to True TV to watch Impractical Jokers. And on the rare night that those both aren't on, I'm just horrified. I don't know what we're gonna <laughs> do, um, but it's good mindless comedy, and that's what that's what I need kind of right now in this you know, where I'm just overwhelmed with the busyness. So I'm not binge watching. Uh, I am excited to binge um, The Chosen, but I'm I'm so caught up on that. So when season four comes around this spring, I mean, I'm just gonna be watching it one episode at a time as it comes out. But man, that's a good one to binge. Um, if you like that, it's a cool series about the, uh, the apostles, Jesus's apostles, uh, but has given them all personalities. And it's really their story more than his. And so it's really yeah. kind of a um, really well done production on that. So, yeah, we, we did that
2: one at our house, too. And I love the personalities that they gave them. That yeah, was very, really, cool. really good stuff. All right. Question number two. Give us the scenario for your dream vacation.
3: Ooh, dream vacation. Man, I'm going to tell you, I, I I mean, we sit around and we dream about travel and stuff all the time. And uh, I I really want to go where the water is super blue and clear. Um, And I went two years ago to Rotan, Honduras, and it is super blue and clear, but also full of uh, this seaweed. And so it wasn't quite, I I, I think it's got to be Bahamas or the Maldives or somewhere. Oh, the Maldives. That's it. We're going to, if we're going to dream, let's go big and take a 14 hour, you know, $3,000 flight and get out to the Maldives where you're in an overwater bungalow. And the water is so clear and no one is around you because you've gotten a $10,000 a night place and you could just walk, you could just walk out naked you know and nobody's gonna know and Go jump big. into the water i mean i would i wouldn't do it naked but i mean that naked is how we say it in the south as opposed to naked naked is you know you just don't have any clothes on you're naked in the shower naked is like when you're up to something you know when you're you're naked butt naked that's how we say it anyway JT, uh, that's know, like, his
1: quote that's his quote that's the takeaway from this whole <laughs> interview we naked we've, we've, you We've niched it yeah. down to naked versus naked, and we're just going to hang on to that. Yeah. Absolutely. And you spell that,
3: <laughs> you spell it N-E-K-K-I-D, naked. Uh, and the, so yeah. you know, that would be amazing, the Maldives. And so, but uh, but I really dig, like, experience in another culture. So it's got to be in another country. You know, Rotan was awesome because I got to hang out and talk Spanish with the locals and and, you know, buy pineapple from a lady in a roadside stand in the middle of the boonies. And that was, you know, that kind of stuff is really what I dig. But the the clear water and the, you know, the money, the money. I would like a rich person's vacation. I'm not that rich yet. <laughs> I'm not rich at all.
2: Yeah, I get the difference um, where I come from. There's a difference between a creek and a crick. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yep. Yeah. So our last question is, if you were stuck in an elevator, and there was a song on repeat the entire time you were stuck in there. What song could you tolerate?
3: Oh, I thought you were going to say what was going to be the worst. And I was going to say, Grandma got run over by a reindeer. But uh, <laughs> um, what could I tolerate? I'm going to tell you what it is. It's uh, Casino Royale by Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. I'm going to tell you. That's the one that was in the SNL skit with Peyton, uh, with, uh, with Peyton Manning dancing. And it's, uh, it's, I can't quit laughing at it, but it's one of those funny things where you could just entertain yourself doing a stupid dance every time the song starts over again. And uh, you need to go play it and uh, just put it on repeat for the day. Uh, really anything by Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. I think I could, you know, they're, they're, they're pleasant enough, but not harsh where you could just, and and there's no lyrics. I got ADD. I can't, yeah. I can't handle lyrics. So
2: yeah. Rise was the first it. song that's that came to my mind
3: oh man that's a good one that's a newer one but what a cool jam that is rise look at you you're such a nerd <laughs> and,
1: <laughs> totally and we love her anyway
3: <laughs> yeah that's amazing
1: well uh we want to thank not only andy but everyone who joined us today and to all of our listeners thanks if you're listening to our podcast feel free to join us live on linkedin every thursday 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, In the meantime, be sure to connect with each of us on LinkedIn and join the VO Booth Besties Facebook group. We're fun. Uh, Did you miss a live episode? You can always catch the recording later on our website, boothbesties.com, or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. We would love it if you would hop on any platform and leave us a review. Those reviews help us reach more listeners who are looking for great voiceover content. And don't forget to like and subscribe.
0: Yes. And once again, make sure you're signed up for our VO Booth Besties newsletter. So that tells you what's coming up in the week ahead, gives you links and information. And every Monday we're hosting and we're offering an accountability group. It's at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, and it's hosted by the amazing Nevin Stoltz. It's a place you can set goals and work through them together. You can come every now and then or frequently put it on your calendar. We've heard a lot of people say, oh, I keep meaning to join and I forget. So add it to your calendar.
1: And next Thursday, we'll be joined by Disney casting director, Kristen Paiva. Uh, Not only has she been doing this for for forever and is full of so much insightful information, she has also branched off and started a coaching and separate casting uh, business. And we're really excited to talk to her, uh, learn some of the ins and outs of casting and what she's looking for and about her new business. So please join us next week. Have a great day, everyone.
0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another
1: episode of VO Booth Besties. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Well, pretty much anywhere they're playing podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook so
2: we can keep the conversation going.
1: VO Booth Booth Besties. Besties. Yeah, it's a a thing. thing.